This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Monday, August 16th, and as NBA Summer League in Vegas winds down, today we have some takeaways from what we've seen from some of the top prospects there. Plus, a look at how much Summer League actually matters for fantasy purposes. All of that and more is coming up in just a second. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. As we welcome in everyone listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube, Jared Johnson, I believe, will be here in just a bit to join us. But first, I'm joined by Ryan Knaus and Steve Alexander, who... I'm just finding out today, absolutely loves Summer League. I don't know how I didn't realize this, but folks, the only thing that Dr. A likes more than indie rock and roll is some good old-fashioned Summer League hoops. Steve, how pumped are you for this? Well, you know that when uh, your social media, like Facebook, it'll be like, hey, what's something that you hate that everybody you know loves? And for me, it's sort of like the NFL draft and I are not friends. I just don't care. I, just, I don't really care. I mean, I like looking back on it later. I just don't watch enough college football to know all the players. So so there's that. And then NBA Summer League, you know, I've been doing this job for 20 years. There used to not be Summer League. This was the time for Ryan and I to just chill out and, you know, sit on the lawn chair and drink whatever and, and just chill. And now, you know, I'm, I'm on the clock on Sunday and there's eight – friggin' summer league games. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? This, this is supposed to be like my day off. It's a good point, Steve, that this is like the one lull in the NBA news cycle. Theoretically, this is the time. And we're already, you know, looking ahead to the NBA draft guide that we're going to roll out for NBC Sports Edge. So there's already a lot going on. And then we have more games and a lot of, a lot of, frankly, you know, hot air and noise that, that doesn't amount to much when fantasy hoops comes into being. It was a lot easier for you and I to handle Summer League when Mike Gallagher worked with us because he was a Summer League. He is a Summer League. Like, he's 
summer league psychopath. Like he loves summer league and everything about it. And like, he likes to go to summer league and cover all the games and, and, you know, he's really into it, which is cool. And, and that, that was awesome for us because he kind of did it, did the whole summer league uh, task and we didn't really have to have to deal with it, which it was, it was awesome. I miss Mike. <laughs> <laughs> tough, tough new reality for you guys. I feel really, I feel yeah. pretty horrible for rough life. Real, <laughs> sorry, real hard. Sorry, sorry that you're having to work a little bit. So guys, later on with Jared, we're going to talk big picture assuming Jared appears in the waiting room here in a few minutes, does Summer League actually matter for fantasy? But first, we have some takeaways from what we've seen in Vegas so far, and I think we're going to try to fly through these quick-hitting style. We have eight, nine, ten-ish players we want to talk about. So for starters, guys, the five leading scores in Summer League right now are Cam Thomas, Tyrese Maxey, Desmond Bain, Obi Toppin, and Trey Jones. All of these guys have some traffic in front of them for next season when it comes to fantasy. So what we're actually going to do is bypass those guys for now, focus more on some of the guys who got taken in the first round this year, starting with number one overall pick, Cade Cunningham. Through three games in Vegas, he has put up 18.7 points, 5.7 boards, 2.3 dimes, 1.7 steals, 1.3 blocks, and 4.33 pointers, 50% from long distance. The only concern here that I see is almost twice as many turnovers as assists, 4.0 to 2.3. Does that give you pause, Ryan? And overall, what's your takeaway from Kate Cunningham in Summer League? No, very few again, and we'll repeat this, I'm sure, multiple times, but tiny sample size, do not overreact, good or bad, to things that happen in Las Vegas. Uh, I'm shocked that you didn't want to start this conversation with the Blazers roster, with Kenneth Fareed, Emmanuel Moutier, and Michael Beasley. I mean, a lot of relevant guys playing out there. Up and comers. But yeah, no, Cunningham, I mean, you know, there was hand-wringing after his first game, Matt. People take this too seriously. He shot 5 of 17 mm-hmm. with 5 turnovers, 2 assists. So that's part of where that uh, turnover problem is coming from. He's gotten slowly better, more comfortable. Remember, he's playing alongside Killian Hayes, brand new teammates, brand new coach, totally different you know, experience, and he still looks like a legit I mean, star when he's out there for stretches. I think he had 7 three-pointers in the game over the weekend. Um He's just been fantastic. I, I think he's as advertised. So no, nothing about the turnovers or any other aspect of his game has given me pause at all. I'm glad you went to Ryan first on that because I am having some serious computer problems right now. But uh, as far as Cade Cunningham goes, he's like the the last guy I'm worried about. And, and you know, I, I'm the type of fantasy manager that can live with Luca's turnovers and... Um, other guys who who have some flaws in their game, so uh, I, I'm I'm not worried about Kate Cunningham at least, and he's actually one of the few one of the few rookies I could actually see myself uh, having on a couple rosters this year. Although I probably won't be bold enough or early enough to go get him. Okay, next up, the number two overall pick, Jalen Green. He was as advertised as a scorer in Summer League, 20 points per game on 51.5% shooting, 3.3 triples, got just one steal and no blocks in three games. But he was pretty solid in steals in the G League, so I don't think we're too worried about that. He also picked up a hamstring injury, so that limited him to those three games. Steve, we know you are a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately guy, so what has Jalen Green done for you lately, and are you going to be fighting other fantasy managers to draft this guy in the middle of your drafts after what you saw well, in the summer league. He's another one like him and Kate Cunningham are two guys that like, I generally don't draft rookies in 
for my right. fantasy team. Neither, does, can help neither does Ryan. There are exceptions to that rule. I think I think I had Luca on almost all my teams his rookie year. But Jalen Green is a guy. I he looks like he's going to be a leader for the Rockets. Now that's those steals and blocks numbers that you referenced. Uh, that's not cool. I, I don't love that. But again, this is summer league, um, mm-hmm. so I don't really put much stock in that. He looks like he's going to be a team leader in Houston. He looks like he's ready to play in the NBA right now. Uh, I know Rockets fans are really excited to have him there. I think he's going to be really fun to watch. And, yeah, he's he is another guy that I could see, see me ending up with him on a team or two. Yeah, no no concerns here either about the defensive numbers against tiny sample size. His summer league ended, right? It did. I believe just the three limited to just the three games, I think. Yes, he had a, a right hamstring injury, but he said he'll be fine. There were some quotes where he completely downplayed it, just said it was a minor thing. You know, I'm not concerned. He's looked for all the world head and shoulders better than guys trying to defend him throughout the games that I watched. Uh, just his bounce, right. his ability to penetrate, the three-point shooting, I think he's shooting north of 50%, something like 52%. He just looks like the total package. He looks ready to roll. He's going to be featured on Houston. The reason I probably won't have him on many teams is because I feel like these high-profile rookies, you don't get any discount at all. People are going to look at mm-hmm. him, see the potential upside, 24-4, and four, something like that and draft for that. So you're you're drafting him at his potential ceiling uh, if he's right. like a you know borderline early round fantasy play. I, I just can't go there. Okay, another guy who I think was in a lot of ways as advertised, both in a good and bad way, was Jonathan Kuminga of the Warriors, an electric, dynamic, highlight reel kind of player who also has some potential holes in his game when it comes to fantasy. His counting stats in Summer League, quite good, around 17 points, six boards, a couple assists, a steal and a half, 0.8 blocks, 1.3 threes, but you're talking about a shooting line of 37 from the field, 28 on threes, and 64 and a half from the free throw line. It seems like, Steve, those percentages, plus a crowded rotation, make Kuminga like a long-term future guy, but probably not a this-season guy, especially considering, I believe he's, is he still 18 years old? Yeah. Uh, Kuminga, to me, he looked a little bit better than I thought he would. Like, like you can see it when you watch him, when you watch him play, like, he just looks like he's going to be really, really good. But uh, he's also raw. The the numbers, all the percentages, all three of them uh, are kind of broken, at least in summer league. And I don't think they, that's really going to turn around in his rookie season. So he, he's a guy that I feel like you're going to want him on your team two years from now, but not necessarily right now. Yeah. And this one is a little more concerning the percentages that you cited, Matt, because it's not just summer league. You look back at what he did uh, with the Ignite team in the G League last year. He His shooting splits were 38% from the field, uh, 24.6% from deep and 62.5% at the line. So that's kind of just who he is offensively at the moment. Now, to Steve's point, I think he's looked pretty good, actually, despite the inefficiency. Mm -hmm. Offensively, we've seen those moments where, you know, he can break down a guy one-on-one, a little bit of playmaking here and there. Uh, Defensively, he's going to be switchable and pretty impactful, we hope, once he kind of puts it together and the IQ improves, things like that. But again, 18 years old, the Warriors are a team that are trying to open that championship window, win now. They're thinking about right. bringing in veteran players where they're playing, uh, quintupling their salaries because of the luxury tax. Like, they are a team going for it all, not trying to develop an 18-year-old with obvious deficits to his game. So for fantasy, I'll be avoiding him as a rookie. 
Cleveland Cavaliers big man Evan Mobley, the number three overall pick, played in three summer league games before shutting it down. His numbers included around 11 points, 7.7 boards, three dimes, which you like, 0.7 blocks, uh, 0.7 steals, I should say, and 1.7 blocks. On the downside, we saw shooting splits of 35 from the field, 12.5% on threes, and 50 from the free throw line. Ryan, back to you again. Because of the blocks potential, I think this guy's going to be on my fantasy radar, but that shooting line, even if only through three games, gives me some serious pause that Mobley is very much a work in progress as he arrives in the NBA. Yeah, so he was, what, one of 10 from deep, I believe, in those three games? Something like that. Or Not- one of, it's 12.5%, so close yeah, 13%. to that. But- Okay. So yeah, not not great. <laughs> um, I, oh, that's I, one of is that one at one, one of eight? Nine. One of nine. One of nine? one of nine is eleven percent. One of eight, I think, is twelve point five. Let's go with Let's one of eight. On that. It's one hundred percent one of eight. I'm saying it with full confidence. I've decided okay. we're good. Well, right. I m- I missed his one make. I only saw him clang a, a bunch of them, and that's okay. going to be a, a point of concern legitimately because you want him sharing the court as often as possible with Jarrett Allen. It seems like that's mm-hmm. what the Cavs envisioned for their front court. But if Mobley can't stretch the court at all, that's going to be tough to pull off on a team that needs to open those driving lanes. So definitely something to watch is has and will his shooting range expand? And that was something we knew coming into the draft. That's really the one question mark about his game. He's fluid. He can rebound. He's versatile, protect the rim, all those things. Can he become a knockdown shooter from range? I could see Mobley being a second-half guy this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the fact that there is chatter about Kevin Love having a, a diminished role, um, finally. Uh, he's got calf issues. I I really don't know what he's still doing in Cleveland. But, I, I mean, that's good news for Mobley. And the 11 points and 7.7 boards in summer league for a guy as good as Mobley is a little concerning to me. Uh, I was thinking those numbers would be higher. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, he also isn't going to shoot free throws, and he's not going to hit three-pointers. So I, I'm not drafting Evan Mobley, but he I, he could – I could see him making some noise, second-half noise. All right, one summer league performance. I have to say I'm I'm pretty intrigued by a little – maybe a little more under-the-radar the guy is Chris Duarte of the Pacers. Now, granted, for starters, he's 24 years old, so he really should be lighting up summer league. But – Light up summer league is exactly what he did around 18 points, five boards. I think I have five boards, four, maybe four boards, whatever. Uh, nearly four assists, two and a half steals, 1.8 blocks, and 3.5 threes. Two and a half steals, nearly two blocks, and three and a half threes. And he was a good steals and blocks guy in college, so I'm not going to call this a total fluke over just a handful of games. And notably, Steve's guy. Say it with me, Steve. McBuckets is gone from Indiana, has taken his 25 minutes a game to San Antonio. Call me crazy here. I could see Duarte being fantasy relevant at some point this season and potentially in the first half, Steve. Am I crazy here? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, my buddy Keelan, and you guys probably know Keelan. You've been in leagues with him. He's, he's probably the guy I've played fantasy sports with the longest, like 25 years or something, probably longer than that. And... uh He's a Pacer fan. He lives in Indy. And I was like, what do you think about Duarte? He's like, man, he's too old. He's a dumb pick. I'm mad at the Pacers. <laughs> like, he was really down on the Duarte pick. And wow. then, you know, Duarte just started tearing up Summer League immediately. Uh, right off the bat, he he looked really good. And I think, like you said, it's part of it's because he was, you know, in college for four years. He's older than almost all of this rookie class. And he looks um, somewhat 
fully developed out there. And the fact that McBuckets is gone, I think it does help Chris Duarte. The fact that he played so well in summer league and gained uh, confidence helped him. Again, he's not a guy I think I would even take a last round flyer on at this point, but he is a guy, you know, if he's playing well two or three weeks into the season, I cut my last pick and pick him up. I yeah, so this is one area in which I do find summer league informative and so forth is kind of can throw the stats out the window sometimes. In this case, they happen to go together well, but just watching guys play and you can kind of see, do they Mm -hmm. seem to have a natural feel for the game? You know, the the eye test I find to be more useful in Vegas than the actual box scores. Uh, Duarte looks like he's there, man. He's, as you said, he's 24, he's older, he's more developed and and so forth. And he looks like, I mean, he's polished. He's out there doing good things on both ends of the court. I believe he was, you know, won some defensive awards in college and he looks the part. He had a a game with 19 points, six times, four steals and four blocks. Uh, one thing yeah. that surprised me because I didn't watch him in college very much was the the length. Like he just looks big. He's six six, listed shooting guard. But I think that's what's going to help him is he can play multiple positions with his defensive ability, his ability to to hit three pointers. You can put him out there in a bunch of different lineups and he'll do good things, creating plays for others. Uh, kind of glue guy he can he can serve as. So I I think. Uh, contrary to Steve, I will be targeting him as like a a late round flyer, a kind of Tyrese Halliburton last year type guy who could find mm-hmm. himself playing big minutes as the season goes on. I don't know how he's going to get enough minutes if Karis Levert's healthy because Karis Levert's going to play a ton of shooting guard. You got Malcolm Brogdon and TJ McConnell, point guard. You still have Jeremy Lamb. You still have Ed Sumner. I mean, it's just a, seems like there's a bunch of guys. But maybe, I mean, maybe Duarte gets enough minutes anyway. I I just, I don't know how that's going to happen if Karis LeVert has a big role, which he's going to. There's also, in theory, TJ Warren. We don't exactly know, right, when we're going to see Warren on the court. That's true, too. I don't think. I would argue that a lot of those guys could play, could shift up in small ball lineups, but then you run into the Pacers' front court, which is, you know, stacked with two bigs who need minutes so uh, there is there is a pinch there and it might re- actually require a trade to clear some space uh you know we saw over the offseason brogdon was floated as a trade possibility so that that would probably be the key but i'll still i'll still get some duarte on my lineups <laughs> by the way duarte is like eight months younger than devin booker just for perspective i <laughs> love it and is he really we have just i think so yeah they're both 24 and yeah, Duarte is that, early 24, Booker is late 24. That's crazy. He's older than De'Aaron Fox. We have just a few more names to hit before we bring in Jared Johnson to tell us big picture how much Summer League actually matters for fantasy. So let's just rip through these handful of guys real quick. Last year's number last year's number four overall pick, Patrick Williams, did some things in Summer League. 21 points per game, around 10 boards, three dimes, two threes. On the downside, he shot... I believe 38% from the floor while also shooting 44% on threes, which seems hard to do. He also didn't get defensive stats, 0.7 steals, 0.3 blocks. This Bulls team added Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan, but the reality is it's not that deep. It seems like there should be minutes there for Patrick Williams. Steve, do you think he can capitalize? I'm finding myself skeptical, but I'm open to being convinced. Well, Laurie Markkinen is not going to be back. That's a good thing for Patrick Williams, but... The numbers that you pointed out are not good things for Patrick Williams. And I'm just not sure that he's, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he has enough offensive game to be ever be a fantasy stud type of player. I think he, 
I think he can be a serviceable and intriguing fantasy player. I don't know if it's going to happen this year. I, I have some trust issues with Pat Williams, but I think Lori marketing getting out of the way can do nothing but help him. And I could see myself if I needed a forward with the last pick of a deep draft taking Pat Williams. I won't be going anywhere near him. I think his ceiling is like a <laughs> is like a cheap nine cat kind of guy who'll do a little bit here and there. But he was super low usage last year and minutes weren't the problem. Like you mentioned, minutes will be there. Well, they were there all last year. He started, I think, like nearly every game for Chicago, averaging 30 something minutes. So that's not what I'm worried about. Uh, you know, there was a game in summer league where he had 30 points, four three pointers and seven of seven free throws. Well, he only attempted more than four three pointers one time all of last season. Uh, there wasn't a single game in which he attempted seven or more free throws. So that's that summer league chaos. Like he's in a role that he mm-hmm. will never realistically play. So it's nice to see him make some shots, but I'm not buying him. That's fair. Now to this year's number four pick, incidentally, also a guy from Florida State, Scotty Barnes. This is another guy who did some intriguing things in terms of counting stats in Summer League. 15 and a half points, seven boards, three dimes, a steal, two blocks. However, a similar theme with the shooting, 41 from the field, 27% from three-point range. Ryan, you and I are both skeptical about Barnes being a fantasy play for this upcoming year. And, you know, we had some questions about how much his defensive stats would carry over to the NBA. Uh, I'm more convinced about his potential in defensive stats after seeing him in action a bit, but are you still definitely staying away from this guy in terms of fantasy if he is another rookie who's going to fall to the late rounds potentially? Well, with that caveat, so another guy who Summer League has improved my view of him because you're right, defensively he looks ready to roll and will probably pick up more of those stats than I may have given him credit for. Um, Will he fall to the late rounds? That I don't know. I feel like there'll be a little mm-hmm. too much hype on him just because he was number four overall and that type of thing um, on what looks like a rebuilding team. It's going to hinge on, I mean, is Siakam going to be there throughout the season? Probably not. But as long as he's there, minutes are a pinch and that's just too much for me. I'm not I'm not playing that game. It's exactly what I was going to say. It's like Pascal Siakam's on the on the block. Um, if he's moved, then I'm I think my philosophy on drafting scotty barnes totally changes i i could see me taking flyers on scotty all over the place if siakam goes um as it stands right now with with og ananobi and pascal siakam there along with gary trent and fred van Vliet and malachi and gordon Dragic, that's a lot that's a lot of guys who are going to eat up minutes at guard it's going to make it tough for scotty barnes to, to see a ton of runs. So I'm going to wait and see what happens with Siakam. Okay, just a couple more names here for the first half of this episode. The guy I, sh- I would argue should have gone fourth overall, that would be Jalen Suggs, who went to the Orlando Magic. In three summer league games, he was around 15 points, six boards, a couple dimes, 1.7 steals, 1.0 blocks, 1.7 threes. Decent shooting stats overall, only shot 42 from the field, but you kind of forgive that. I think for me with Suggs, I'm still just worried about the team fit overall above all else because of Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton. But it's not like they drafted Suggs fifth overall to not play him on a rebuilding team, Steve. So I'm actually intrigued by Suggs as well. Uh, Your thoughts on him? I mean, it is intriguing, and they're not exactly stacked at shooting guard. They're also not really stacked at point guard. I think Markel Fultz, like, he should have a good season this year. Like, this should be, we should see real Markel Fultz for the first time this year. But Cole Anthony, Michael Carter Williams, and RJ Hampton and Sundarius Thornwell, 
Gary Harris. Like there's just Evan Fournier is gone, long gone out of Orlando. And there's a real chance that Jalen Suggs gets to play a lot of minutes for them this year. So I'm, I'm intrigued. I am too. I'm sticking with it. Uh, would have liked to see him land in Toronto as, as we've talked about Matt, but um, I think he's in a good spot <laughs> and Fultz is going to be in, you know, potentially hurt to begin the season. I think, I don't know if we have a firm time timetable for his return, but you've got a question mark there. Uh, Michael Carter. Will, I mean, they don't have a ton of depth. Cole Anthony is the biggest kind of question mark for me in terms of Suggs, but yeah, he's going to get minutes in the backcourt, uh, especially if Hampton's coming coming off the bench kind of as a leader for that second unit. I, I quite like how Suggs profiles for fantasy. So he'll be a guy, if he starts to slide, if team or uh, rather fantasy managers are concerned about the jumble of players in Orlando's backcourt, I'm going to go with the guy that, the, as you said, they you know spent a lottery pick to get on a rebuilding team right. and see what happens. Okay. Very quickly, a couple more names here. The last name, well, second to last name. Uh, this is a guy we talked about in the aftermath of free agency as a potential winner. That's Jaden McDaniels of the Wolves. Just wanted to update his summer league stats. He's around 16 points, six and a half boards. Good steals, blocks, and threes. 1.3 steals, 1.0 blocks, 1.3 threes. That's obviously the blueprint for him. Steve, we talked about how that Minnesota power forward death chart is quite thin. Did the summer league performance of McDaniels change anything for you? Is it still the same thing where you were intrigued by him, still are intrigued by him? Yeah, same thing. Maybe maybe bolstered my confidence in him a little bit. You know, I know we talked about him, and I saw he had a couple of big stat lines in Vegas, and he's real quickly in the back of my head. I was like, oh, Jaden's playing. That's good. Jaden's playing well. So, yeah, it hasn't really changed for me. I'd still rather draft him over Jared Vanderbilt and Wancho Hernan Gomez and see what happens. Yeah, and he was getting minutes for Chris Finch at the end of last year, which is key for me. Uh, it's probable that the front office, you know, talked to their coach and said, how much of a position of need is this? Because they went into last year. I remember one of the uh, Wolves beat writers for The Athletic basically vowing that Juancho Hernan Gomez was going to be their starting power forward and he was their best option. Well, they come into this season with the same the same depth at power forward, uh, but this picture has changed and Jaden McDaniels looks like the clear cut guy to start there. Uh, Vanderbilt is intriguing, but hasn't really put it together. Does absolutely nothing on offense. Whereas McDaniels, mm. I mean, open court, he's electric. He can knock down some shots and the summer league was promising uh, for his growth and he'll get defensive stats boards. I, I'm also with you, Steve. I see you. Uh, you may agree or have a point. No, I'm just going to add the caveat that this is Minnesota we're talking about. So almost everything that I've ever tried to predict about what's going to happen in Minnesota is blown up in my face. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Wancho Hernan Gomez comes out and scores 30 a game. <laughs> Just That would be incredible. Okay, Ryan, we had a list of names, and you wanted to add Alperin Shangun to this conversation quickly. So give us your impressions of him from Summer League, the Rockets rookie big man. Just that he's looked awesome. Uh, and now this could very, very well be a summer league special where he has international mm. experience playing on the post against bigger guys, savvier veterans, and he knows how to manipulate them. I mean, he has a bevy of moves. He got to, he gets to the line a ton. He knows how to draw contact. So you get these up-and-coming young bigs who don't quite know how to defend and defend positionally and in space and so forth, and he's just making hay. Uh, but credit to him. I mean, he's against inferior competition, and he's putting it to him. Um, what really 
catches my eyes. He averaged three blocks per game. So if he can keep up those defensive stats, because the whole narrative about him is that he's going to be a huge liability defensively. My position is it probably won't matter on Houston with a team that's just developing players and they'll want him out there playing through mistakes. Um, but offensively, there's really no questions about his game. He's he's fantastic. So if he can block shots on top of that, suddenly he's shooting up my drop board. And he's a he's a big guy. And I, I'm actually I'm actually more worried about him hurting Jay Sean Tate than I am worried about trying to draft Sengun. You know, um, I don't think he's going to end up on my on my teams. Although this is a situation where I think Houston is going to be a really interesting team to watch in the preseason and see what their rotations look like, see who's playing because basically their whole summer league squad was part of their regular team last year. So it, they're kind of weird, but it does make me hesitate on Jay Sean Tate just a little bit because there's a chance Sengun can play a lot of minutes and, and eat into Tate's playing time quite a bit. All right, we're going to take a very quick break, and we'll be back with Jared Johnson to talk about how much Summer League actually matters for fantasy. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. For the first time in history, the two biggest sporting events on the planet unite with the Super Bowl and the Winter Olympics on NBC this February. Go to NBCSports.com slash once in a lifetime for a chance to win a once in a lifetime VIP experience of your choice. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Have to be 18 or older to enter. Ends February 4th. Subject to official rules. Okay, we just spent 20 plus minutes, nearly 30 minutes, talking about some of our Summer League takeaways. Now we will attempt to answer the question of whether any of this actually matters, and if so, how much? So we welcome in our colleague, Jared Johnson, who has spent some large percentage of his recent waking hours diving into Summer League historical data, I believe. Jared, what's going on? How are you? Past four days, yeah. A lot of, lot of data collection uh, on Summer League stats. But basically, I've looked up from 2014 till current uh, how the first team and the second team has performed in Summer League MVP, and then also looking at the rookies we know performed well. Um, and basically, Summer League, it both matters and it doesn't matter. It's really arbitrary. It's not predictive. <laughs> uh, the defensive stats particularly are not predictive at all. Percentages are almost not predictive. Like Ryan said, uh, it's really mostly about the eye test with Summer League. 
But here's just some of my key findings. So out of these 30 players since 2014 that have been named to the first team, uh, only eight have gone on to have fantasy relevant seasons. And of the 30 players named to the second team, only six have had fantasy relevant seasons. Only twice has the Summer League MVP had a noteworthy MVP season, and that was Brandon Clark and Lonzo Ball. And then while the best rookies often do perform well at Summer League, that's not a guarantee. So some notable good fantasy rookies that had poor Summer League showings or mediocre Summer League showings. Carl Anthony Towns, who's one of the only rookies over the past 18 years to put up first-round value. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, Kristaps Porzingis, Malcolm Brogdon, DeAndre Jordan, Trey Young, Ben Simmons, all mediocre to bad summer league showings, all went on to have quality rookie seasons. And then there are also busts who have had really good summer leagues and have gone on to have bad rookie years. So Jabari Parker, Jalen Brown, Dennis Smith Jr., RJ Barrett. Um, with the percentages, like abnormally bad percentages, if you're shooting below 38, then maybe it's something to worry about. But it's not. It's So here's a list I pulled up of uh, just percentages. So Carl Anthony Towns, he shot 39.6% as Summer League, uh, 54% his rookie year. KP was 48% and to 42%. Ben Simmons shot 40% to 54%. Tatum, 42 to 47 Kuzma, 51 to 45 JJJ, 40 to 50.5. So there's like no correlation yeah. there, right? All of those first numbers were the summer league shooting percentage. Correct. And then the right. second one was the NBA shooting percentage. Right. Okay. So that's just like a general picture. I was taking notes when you guys were talking. Yeah, uh, yeah. I want. I definitely want to hear what based was, on the fact that you've had your face in this data. Go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> well, uh, I do want to hear your reactions to some of the specific players we talked about. But Ryan, go ahead. Yeah, Jared, when you said fantasy relevant, so about 25% of the first and second team uh, at summer league were what top 150 as top 150 like minimum yeah got it um i wouldn't put them like usually above 150 i think one year like one guy was 150 he made the cut um right. also there was there was like at least one year where no one from the first or second team did anything i think that hmm. might have been cat season so uh you guys talked about turnovers with Cade. he he did commit more turnovers than assists during his college days, that could be an issue. Uh, but look, he's a six foot eight point guard with a wet jumper. Like I'm going to draft him. I'm not worried. <laughs> I, it, it is a weird. It is a weird fit with uh, Kalane Hayes. Um, but uh -huh. you know, whatever. He's he's the number one pick for a reason. Like OKC ruined their season to try to get this guy. Jalen Green, the way he's been scoring, I only needed to see a five minute clip of this guy. Like he's got he's got so many moves in his bag. He's got the step back mm -hmm. jumper. It's wet. It's just like if you have that step back jumper, man, it's very hard to guard. And he can also get right by you and get to the rim. Uh, his his G League stats are great. Uh, he was doing mm -hmm. this against grown men in the G League. I'm not convinced that college necessarily has more competition than the G League. Uh, so that's just a little quick thing about Green. Kuminga, I'm not totally sold. I don't know how he gets minutes in Golden State. We saw how uh, reluctant Steve Kerr was to give number two overall pick James Wiseman minutes last year. Yeah. Um, and he's just been a little bit unimpressive to me. Duarte, 
I agree with Steve. He has been crushing it at Summer League. I don't see a path to minutes. Like Steve said, Levert's going to get big playing time. So is Malcolm Brogdon. You have two bigs already. It's just uh, TJ Warren's coming back. I don't see it. Well, the one thing I'll say is just jumping in there. Let, that is a team and a, a you know guard, shooting guard, small forward setup that has had some injury issues. So maybe it takes that for Duarte to oh, yeah. get if, his minutes. If, if injuries open up, I'd be super intrigued. He's looked fantastic. Another eye test thing. Um, Pat Will, I don't think he's getting any shots on that team. Um, <laughs> I mean, Tamar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, come on. He's, he's, it's, yeah. it's over. Um, and Suggs, I'm interested. Suggs, I'm interested. Even though it's been a mixed bag, uh, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, and then lastly, uh, Jaden McDaniels uh, has definitely boosted my confidence, bolstered my confidence, as Steve would say. Um, he had that little stretch last season. I don't even know if it was – I think it might have only been a month. But, you know, that power forward position in Minnesota is wide open. I don't even know if Jared Vanderbilt is on the roster. Uh, you can fact check me on that. But there's just an obvious opportunity for him there. And uh, he's looked really great at Summer League. He should look great. He's a second-year player. That's something you really want to see. Uh, the second-year guys, you really want them to come out and dominate because they've been around the block, you know? It looks like uh, Vanderbilt is a restricted free agent and maybe has not been there we go. re-signed yet. Okay, yeah. so he got a qualifying offer from the Wolves. But yeah, I guess it's not. He could still end up somewhere else. One of those uh, free agents who's still floating out there. We forget that there are some. Right. Have the have the Wolves made a single move during free agency? What have, I, I don't think so. I, I was no. look, what have they done? Oh, they traded Rubio. Oh, well, yeah, sorry. Yes, for uh, Torian Prince. Right. Well, basically, oh, yeah, how, could I, how could I possibly <laughs> forget that transaction? How could you overlook the Torian Prince trade, Ryan? Um, well, Jared, so after all of this, do you feel like it was worthwhile? Like, are you happy you did this? It seems like you learned some things. Yeah. Unless- I mean, yeah, it was super interesting. I love this stuff. Like, so- I literally get paid to look up summer league stats. I mean, I enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> but but secondly, does it become more now that you've done this, which are you fo- more focused on the eye test when it comes to summer league or stats or is it some combination of both for you? Definitely a combination of both. Like you have to take all of this stuff within context. Like, you know, I, I saw uh, Jalen Green ball out at summer league, but I would have the same opinion if there wasn't a summer league just because we know who he is from the draft. Um, so basically we're doing most of our research during the draft. We know who these guys are at that point. So if you want to use summer league as a, as a data point to further confirm your analysis, I would use it like that, but I wouldn't dissuade any of my opinions that I had prior to coming into summer league. You know, it's just, it's too small of a sample size. Um, one guy that you did, one player you guys didn't talk about, that I had my eye on was Josh Christopher just because of the Mm -hmm. Houston situation. He was a first-round pick, um, but he has not looked great. And this is one of the situations where I said uh, the percentages don't matter unless they're abnormally bad, and he's shooting 34.4%. So uh, that's turned me off a little bit from him. I thought maybe he could come in and get some minutes. Uh, Maybe he still can, but... Um, probably not going to look to draft him even as a late round pick in, in like a 12 team league. 
Anybody have any thoughts on a Jello ball, Angelo? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> okay, I just thought he was he was generating buzz around summer league, and yeah, um, yeah, maybe enough buzz to end up in the G League. But I think that's about it. <laughs> I mean, he was there last year. Kids still trying to make it in the NBA. I think his dad's learned to that maybe when he opens his mouth, it's not a great thing for his kids, and he's done that less lately. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll be able to get Jello in the league at some point. I feel like given the By the, the way, hype the hype machine around the balls, uh, if there's any chance of Leangelo making a full time roster spot and making any fantasy noise, we will have plenty of advanced notice. <laughs> Incredible, incredible oversight by us when it comes to the Timberwolves offseason. They also added Nathan Knight, the electric right. big uh, man, who, right. who uh, I think he's on a two-way deal as well with the Wolves. So I, I'm sure he'll be like their starting power forward by like March. I saw him playing and I had to look it up. I was like, there's no way that's Nathan Knight from last year in Atlanta. It was. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they let him go. Nathan Knight. Nathan well, Knight had like one incredible spot start for the Hawks and like was just a garbage time sensation. You know, he would come oh, in yeah, and like splash yeah. a three. And I was get a working dunk. with Steve that night and I uh, told Steve that I refused to blurb him. <laughs> Jared, I got to I got to tell you my uh, Nathan Knight moment, which is I was watching a highlight of Kai Jones, the, the Hornet center. Uh, had a highlight where he pump faked a three-pointer and then had two dribbles and then dunked it once he got a foot in the paint. And I was like, wow, that's a pretty athletic, interesting move. Who was the defender who bit on a pump fake from Kai Jones <laughs> on a three-pointer? So I went back and paused it frame by frame. And as he turned around, they were playing the Blazers, it said Beasley. And I was like, oh, Beasley? No. <laughs> and I looked and sure enough, Michael Beasley was on the roster. Yeah, I had wow. no idea he was on the roster. I Michael just knew that Beasley's I had witnessed a horrific defensive possession. <laughs> still getting buckets, and that's, still playing bad defense. There you go. That's, that's his game. <laughs> Steve, Steve, I got one for you. How old is Michael Beasley? We like to play this game occasionally. I'm looking it up. I just cheated. Kind of a surprising 20, number. 27. 26. I'm going to say 28. 26. 30. 32, 30, 30, 30, 30, I was going to wow. say 32. I didn't even get a chance. Yeah. He's that <laughs> oh. old? Yeah. Usually, usually I'm I'm always they're, – they're always um, <laughs> younger than I thought they were. Uh, Congrats to so the yeah, 32-year-old Michael Beasley for showing up in Summer League, man. <laughs> <laughs> 2008 NBA draft number two overall pick Ryan oh, I'm sorry I didn't let you record no, your that's guest, okay your guest Derek Favors is always did the... have a good summer league and went on to have a poor rookie season just a note yeah. Derek Rose okay. had a terrible summer league he shot about 28 hmm. percent pulling that data wow. did, did you guys catch uh Chimizi Medu of the Kings through a punch and no. connected to someone's temple yesterday. It connected. Got That's got to be the first mean? connected punch in NBA history. Well, no. Well, some, there were some no, notorious. There's a pretty famous one. Yeah, some pretty there's notorious a pretty famous punch. one. Jared. Check out, just Rudy. type in Rudy Tomjanovich. Rudy Tomjanovich. Okay. Over Tomjanovich. the past 10 years. Because Brook Lopez, Robbins missed all his punches, and Serge Ibaka has missed all his punches. Carmelo well, landed one, and uh, someone hit Kobe with a one-two, I remember. I believe it's the first landed punch in the history of Summer League. And I think we're looking at the first <laughs> Summer League suspension coming for Meet Metu. Metu. Shemezi Metu, I think. Who who is in Shemezi. charge of keeping track of landed punches in Summer League? Is that an official <laughs> NBA.com stat? I think it's, you gotta scroll I think it's over like Steve Alexander. <laughs> yeah, I just I just went with it. I just I just I just decided that that was the case. No I, Jared's like 
of the of these summer league players who have landed punches successfully, <laughs> none have gone on to have a fantasy relevant season the following year. Yeah, it's very low correlation between punches landed. Yeah. <laughs> Quickly, you mentioned percentages a few minutes ago and when we should worry. We were talking about Evan Mobley before. Only three games, but we saw the big man shoot 34.9% and 12.5% on threes. Very, very, very small sample size from a, a very talented player, Jared. But... Are we in worry territory yet? We can't be, right, after three games? I am a little bit, just because of not only that, but just the situation he's walking into. I don't I don't love it. I don't love that Caleb uh-huh. is there. And they have, I mean, maybe they can finally move him. He's on an expiring. Um, or, uh-huh. or they just play him significantly less minutes, but Jared Allen's there. Uh, I, I just don't like it from a, from a path to minutes standpoint. Oh, I'm not and, worried about his minutes at all. Kevin, and I, Kevin and I Love. I was concerned I mean, about his his summer league stats a little bit yes i just want to go on record that kevin love shouldn't be earning minutes he probably won't even if he's playing at the beginning of the season this guy has to get shut down asap i mean jerry colangelo the architect of team usa basically threw kevin love under the bus this summer (laughs) he was like love said he was healthy he wanted to come play we gave him the benefit of the doubt he was busted so we sent him packing uh that's who he is they can't trade his contract that's the only reason he's in cleveland He's not part of the picture here, so I I wouldn't let him stop me at all. And the Jared Allen thing, I mean, they drafted Mobley knowing full well that they had Jared Allen, and then they went out after the draft and and locked up Allen long term. Their clear vision is to put them next to each other, so I think we're going to see a ton of that. Uh, I'm not shaken at all by what I saw at Summer League. Where would you draft him? Again... I think he'll be overdrafted to me just because of the name brand recognition, all that stuff. So I think the hype will probably push him into like the 40, 50 range. Am I the only person hearing this ringtone right now? Yes. Oh. As far as I know. I'll, I'll, I'll probably look for uh, for Mobley in like the 60, 80 range, but I doubt he'll be there. While Jared mutters Jared, to himself are you, and tries are you to figure. Okay. Are you okay? <laughs> There we go. All right. Jeez, I, I'm worried about you, Jared. All right. <laughs> do you think? Do you guys think Kevin Love will make it as long as Al Horford made it last year? <laughs> wow. He's been bad for a while. I mean, uh, but Matt, Matt, were you, were you pointing out he, the the run that Horford went on? He was really good for a stretch. I mean, he was incredible for a stretch. <laughs> do you guys remember that? He yeah, had just a game breaking stretch of games. I remember it very well because I had just said to everyone repeatedly. This man is about to be shut down. You should probably just get rid of him. Trade him for a potato chip if you can. He's he's toast in OKC. And then he immediately went on a month-long stretch of just total dominance. So Yeah, right, like late January play. into February. He was he was good. He didn't play over. He was that, really good. Over the Kevin, Kevin Love will not have that stretch this season, and he will not I be playing you, in January. I would say over under Kevin Love games this season. I'm gonna go sixteen. I'll take the over 16. I'll take the over on that. All right. I'm going to hit the under on 16, I think. <laughs> That's a sharp bet. I'm not, I don't want any piece of that action. Watch Kevin Love just come back and be a monster this year. There's no way. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. No, I think uh, he's all right. Well, Jared, thanks for bringing all this. Any final thoughts from you on uh, Summer League before we go? Draft Jalen Green. This kid is amazing. I can't wait to watch him during the actual NBA season. He has been a beautiful light in this hot month of August. (laughs) 
That's as good of a note to end on as Andy. So that'll do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We're going to be back here on Friday with more off-season chatting. Chatting? Sure. Thanks for listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube. Ryan, Steve, Jared. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Cool. Adios. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.